0: Good morning, my name's Gary, I'm another pastor here at Westview, thank you, Sarah and Jeff and the music team, just notice, I want you to just notice what's going on here this morning. Women and men leading us through music and worshiping the Lord, Pastor Tyler leading us in communion, serving communion, passing communion. You, some of you congregants serving communion, praying, talking about the goodness of God, praying about the promises of God. Tosh sitting with the youth, Hanukkah with the children, some leaders out there, Amelia of faith, some young people helping. With the children's ministry, this is all of us gathering together on Sunday morning in our various ways as we worship and praise the Lord together. As we do this, He is our audience. We worship and praise Him. Just notice what a wonderful privilege this is. What is important in a relationship What would you consider to be really important if you're in a relationship and and you want to feel cared for? You want to feel that somebody gets you. They know you. What's important for you to feel understood? And is that possible to have in a relationship with God? This morning we are beginning a new sermon series. And we are joining with uh, the psalmist. In this case, Psalm 139 is written by David. He was a shepherd. He was an artist. He became a king. He was a son in a large family. He was a dad. And we're joining in his writing found in Psalm 139 as we explore and we expand a a right and a healthy understanding of who God is and a right and healthy understanding of who we are. And my hope is that as we see this progression that David takes through Psalm 139, that we too will come alive to who God is and who we are as well. I will pause in a short time for what uh, we call Q&R, question and response. If you have a question, you can text or email it to ask at westviewchurch.ca. You can do that anytime while I'm talking. If you all of a sudden think of something or if you want, when the time comes, and we put this back up to Q&R time, you can stand and, and uh, Tyler will bring a microphone to you and you can ask your question. Dialogue is really important. Your questions are important, and we continue to know that when somebody asks a question, it usually is a question that many people have, and someone who is brave enough to go ahead and ask the question. Psalm 139, would you turn there, please, with me? Oh Lord. You have searched me. You have known me. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. What does David realize at the beginning as he writes this? What he acknowledges and comes to the realization is that God knows him. God has done a Google search, if you will. He is probed and examined And he knows David. But the question is, what does God know? What does God know about me? Well, knowledge is good. I'm sure David, he has written about God's knowledge and knowledge, God's knowledge of the universe the idea of how all of the universe works, the, the stars, the galaxies, the sun, the moon, all of that. How the, all the creatures and all of that works. How these flowers come up and recede and how all of that works is fantastic. Generally, and then I'm sure David also was thinking, God knows. Well, God knows that I love him. God knows about my musicality. God knows about my joy. He knows about my thanksgiving. He knows about my pleasures. Knowledge, God's knowledge can also feel and knowledge can feel dangerous. Does God know about my lust? David? Does God know about my envy and my jealousy? Does God know about my pride? About my violent streak? Does God know about my fear and my anxiety? What does God know about us? Well, we would say those, that could be David's process. That was just a little excerpt of David's life. What does God know about us? This aspect of knowledge or information, sometimes people say we're in the information age. Sometimes people will say knowledge is power. Well, knowledge and information is good. It helps us with making decisions. It helps us achieve things. I find often that people like to have knowledge uh, to impress. So knowledge is used. We search. We Google, we, Wikipedia. Knowledge is good, but it's also dangerous, isn't it? That's why we like um, privacy, our privacy. That's why we like secrets. See, the thing about privacy is that it's still information, it's still knowledge, there's still activities, thoughts, and actions that we do. It's just that we don't want people to know. So it's knowable, it's just we want to keep it private. So we have this concept of a right to our privacy. We actually have a right to keep information to ourselves. So when George Orwell wrote a book a long time ago, 1984, Big Brother's watching, everybody was freaking out. 1984! Before the interwebs. Imagine that. So we have this conundrum. Information is good. Information is problematic. Maybe it has to do with whose hands the information is in. Well, no wonder everybody lies. Well, at least everybody that has a phone or a computer uh, lies. And those of you that don't have a phone or computer, you're a suspect for other reasons. In fact, when I say everybody lies, if in your mind you argued with me and, and in your mind you said, no, I don't, you have already proved my point. Okay? So, it, there's, there's this book, I, I, I mean, um, there's a book, Seth Stevens-David D- Owitz wrote a book called Everybody Lies, Big Data, New Data, and What the Internet Can Tell Us About who we really are. Fascinating book. Uh, What his argument is that um, big data. So there's a lot like search engines like Google and other websites have big amounts of data that can be extrapolated and analyzed and a lot of information can be gathered from big data. So what his premise is, that actually what we search for and what we do online has... it actually reveals a lot about the truth and not necessarily what we say. So what we do online is more true than what we self-report. So they analyze things like phrases and words that are used, what are people searching for when there's an election, all of that stuff, where they can gather, you know, regions, you know, Alberta, Calgary, all of that. Phrases like, uh, he he gives examples like, how to fill in the blank when pregnant. Imagine that. What are all the words that people use? So I want to give you an example, a little bit of an example of what he's talking about when it comes to uh, information and our ability to be true but not tell the truth. So throw up this table. This is kind of an example of that where digital truth is our searches, what we search for versus what we post on social media. What we view versus what we say we, you know, click on like. What we click on versus your dating profile. Maybe your dating profile is partially true. And swipes. If you don't know what that is, ask a young adult. So there is information that's knowable. But we spend a lot of time being private And secretive and confidential because we're really concerned about who has the information. Whose hands that information is in. And right at the beginning of this psalm, David says, you have searched me, you have known me. What does God know about you and me? What does he know about us? Verse 2. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue. Oh Lord, you know it completely. The Lord knows a lot. When I sit down and when I stand up, he knows all the details, the minutia. He knows our thoughts. He knows the path that is our future. He knows the way we are going. He knows the decisions that we make. He knows what's going on when we sleep. Not just that we're sleeping, but even what's going on when we sleep. He knows our activities, our instincts, our habits. He knows what we say even before we've said it. He already knows what we're going to say. It turns out that the the Lord knows all about us. Our entire life. He knows all that there is to know. Well, what is it like... If the Lord knows that information. What is this information in the hands of God? How does he use this information? What is his, the characteristic of God and the characteristic of this information in his hands? Verse 5. David says. You hem me in. Behind and before. And you lay your hand upon me. You hem me in while well, the information is all encompassing but david takes refuge and shelter in understanding that god knows him entirely it's actually comforting to him it's a shelter for him that god knows all about him it's not worrisome it's not a threat you know it's not unusual for in the ancient Near East in in the historical time that David was in. It's not unusual for small g gods or kings. To um, be thought of to know a lot. Or to know everything. But here is Yahweh. Who has all the information to judge all things rightly, fairly, justly. And how does he decide he will use this information? And what is the Lord's posture, Yahweh's posture? In a word, it's benevolent. He has all of this. And that's what's unique about Yahweh. Is that he has all this information. And yet he cares. And his desire is for to benefit. For, for it to be our benefit. To love and care for us. To be for us. So David understands that the Lord is. Tyler was saying is Present. And he is trustworthy. No wonder then David. In verse 6. At the end of this section says this. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. And I cannot attain it. This knowledge. Is so completely different. In comparison to human knowledge. It is. Uh, the Latin phrase is totaliter aliter. It is totally other. It is totally other because it is absolutely comprehensive, but also because in the hands of God, it is still, in, he is entirely benevolent nonetheless. He's not using it to impress, coerce, shame. It is wonderful, it's not something we can attain. And so, David confesses this, and then he marvels at it. Theologians and scholars use this word, omniscient. God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. Only the Creator is the only one who is all-knowing, omniscient. God alone, shared in the Trinity, So this knowledge, God knows all, and this knowledge in the hands of a benevolent God is a refuge. It's wonderful that he has all this knowledge and that it's in God's hands. If I were to uh, bring this to a fine phrase, contemporary phrase, it would be this. That God gets you. God absolutely gets you. And God's got you. He not only gets you, but He's got you. How marvelous! How wonderful. If only we would let him. If only we would bend and let him. But you see, all of this hinges. All of this, this is good as long as, I mean, it all hinges, this goodness, the goodness of this hinges on the character of God. And what is he like because he is, God is spirit? Well, scripture tells us that God the spirit. Wants to be known and is fully known and fully revealed in the Son Jesus Christ. What is God the Spirit like? What is God like? God is like Jesus. I use the phrase Christocentric, Christ centered. It's this crystal-centric hermeneutic, this uh, crystal-centric model that we use for understanding Scripture and understanding who God is and understanding life, Christ-centered. And then from there, what God is like, He is like Jesus, Christ-centered. And then if we want to zoom in further, the center of what Jesus Christ, the epitome of who Jesus Christ is and what He is like, the center and focus of that is the cross. That's cruciform, cross-shaped. It reveals the kind of love he has. A love that is both filled with grace, yes, and grief. Both seen at the cross, held together at the cross. It's a holy love, a love that is desiring for purity, A holy love that also loves holiness. But that will go to the extent of sacrificing himself on the cross. To draw us to him. And to help us in attaining that holiness in that relationship with him. The other thing we learned from this part already. Is that God is personal. That does not mean that He is encouraging an individualism. That we need to be individuals. No, He encourages us to be together. But God is personal in that each individual person is immensely, tremendously important to the Lord. Each person. Every person. Each and every person. Jesus said, as recorded in Matthew 10, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the Father. The very hairs of your head or chin are numbered. So do not be anxious or do not fear, for you are of more value than many sparrows. This is Jesus talking. Jesus has the capacity and the interest and the focus to care about each and every individual. Whether you are 85 or 58 or 25 or 8 months old or less. Wow! He has that capacity and that interest. Oh, how marvelous. Oh, how wonderful. This must already begin to inform and shape our relationship with the Lord. How we relate to Him. How we communicate to Him. The reality is that there are no secrets. Nothing is hidden. You can close the door to your room. You can lower the lights. You can close the blinds. (laughs) Right? You can report or not report. Nothing is hidden from the Lord. It is all before Him. Every thought, every action, every deed. He has done a deep dive. And He loves you. Knowing all of that about you and about me, he knows all of that, and he still loves you, and he still loves me. Like that's close. That's like really personal. I don't know how close you get to your closest friend or spouse or neighbor. Like, I don't know how much you actually reveal or tell, even yourself. Sometimes we try and keep things from ourselves. But the Lord is closer, like that song, closer even than any friend. I got songs going on in my head, like, oh, how marvelous. I don't know, uh, that song just, but he's closer even than any friend. So we, we, this shapes how we are able to relate to him. And communicate with him. And be open to him. Anything at all. Whether it is big or small. Whether we think it's big or small. Express ourselves. Understand that that's how close he is. Understand the profoundness of his love anyway. I want to pause for a moment before we conclude. I want to pause for a Q&R. to ask you to ask some questions. You can text or email to ask at westviewchurch.ca or you can stand where you are and we'll take your question. I can think of a couple of questions. Well, we got one already here. So let's uh, let those in your head simmer for a few seconds here, Gary. Any advice? on how we can move from thinking we can hide stuff from God to accepting his benevolent, omniscient knowledge of us? Any idea how we can go? Oh, I thought I had that on. There, now it's off mute. Ooh, scary. I'm going to have to power it off if I want it to mute. Any advice on how we can move from thinking that we can hide stuff from God to accepting his benevolent, omniscient knowledge? Yeah, yeah. How can we go from thinking we can hide stuff from God to accepting his benevolent care for us? You know, that's so good. Like, that's part of what we're after here. I think what we do is we kind of develop an understanding of God based on our relationship with people. And what we've learned from people is... When they know something about me, it may or may not be good. They may use it against me. They may tease me. They may embarrass me. They may think less of me. They may not like me. And if we project that onto God, then we start thinking that, well, if God knows that I get angry, he's not going to like me. We project that same uh, uh, human perspective and we project it onto God. So I wonder if as followers of Jesus, we can begin to maybe treat other people the way God treats us. That when we learn something about somebody, somebody confides in you, that you listen and you treat them benevolently, that you care for them, that you love them, that you don't judge them or shame them or make fun of them or put them down, but that you just open up that space and maybe relate back and exercise some of that vulnerability. And I think one of the other things that we're going to learn through this that David does, and you'll see it all through the Psalms, the Psalms is this major book and it's, it's chock full of expression where David expresses himself openly to God. There are times when he gets angry and he lets God know it. And he does, expressing ourselves to God does not press a retribution button. That if I say, God, I'm really angry that, that somehow that presses a button and God zaps us. It doesn't happen. So learning how to express ourselves, yeah, I would say that's a start. I think it's a really great question. Yeah, I think like the you do a lot of community group stuff, and I think learning in community groups how to share with each other to create a space that's safe and trustworthy yeah. where you learn how to do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's the posture of our benevolent creator. So very good. Oh, no, That's good. Yeah. They get deep. Okay, cool. If we are so valuable to God, why does he allow us to physically and emotionally hurt ourselves and others? Yeah. Yeah. If if he loves us and values us, yeah. why does he allow us mm-hmm. to hurt ourselves and each other? Yeah. 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 Why does that he allow us to do that? You know, uh, my brother, also a pastor and a missionary professor guy and... He and I have talked about the problem of free will. And it would be nice sometimes if the Lord just said, nope, you don't get to make any decisions. Sometimes it would just be like, Lord, could you just take away, like these people are making some, you know, dot, dot, dot decisions. That would be just, that's the problem. But part of love, part of the divine love is... Like I talk about the grace and the grief. You see it at the cross that the Lord has created people so that they can make a choice, and so that they can choose Him, but they can also, people can choose to reject Him. And really, the essence of sin is um, distancing ourselves, alienating ourselves from God. Well, imagine that if you alienate yourself from real, beautiful grace, love and mercy, the further you go from that, and that's what happens. Yeah, that's, that's good. Do um, if, if, if you have another one there? Because otherwise I'll... No, I'll, I'll, that's what I've got. Okay. So uh, the other aspect, you, you didn't ask this, but this idea of if God knows everything, um, does that mean everything is already established? Does it mean that like everything is already predetermined? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. The fact that I know that Tyler is going to leave the platform in a moment does not mean that I have determined that he is going to leave the platform. He has left the platform. (laughs) The fact that I know he's going to leave does not mean that I have... He chose to leave. He chose when to leave. Actually, he chose where to leave. And what we understand from Scripture... Is that God has what one of my theological mentors called middle knowledge? He actually knows hypothetical situations and their outcomes were they to come to fruition. So there are these passages where Jesus himself says, "If this, then that. If this would, if you would have done this, then this would have. It would have been better if you had done this because at least they." And there's these ifs. So there is this space that the Lord creates where you are making decisions, even though He knows. And this openness that if, you, if Tyler had chosen to, to leave the platform in that direction, the Lord would have known that too. So it's not fatalism. It's foreknowledge. And we're still making choices. Yes, sir. Thank you, Barry. Uh, do I know how important God's call uh, to me is for you? Uh, no. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I, what I'm feeling is the work of the Holy Spirit, like this morning. I am feeling compelled to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm going to call the music team up. The Lord has been with us this morning. Like, do you, are you, are you, like, I don't know. I feel like this is my first Sunday back after COVID. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Um, Music team. Thank you. Holy Spirit. His will is to be with us. His will is to testify to Jesus Christ. Someone asked the question, how can we accept, acknowledge, receive this posture that, of this benevolent God? Such a great question. And I think that's the first task for us this morning. The, as we go into the music in a moment here, I think all of us, listen. I think the first step as we get into this new series is right now this morning, That you say, Lord, I acknowledge, I accept, I receive who you are. I understand that you know all about me. Like all about me. And you love me. I get it, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. I take that as a refuge. Acknowledge and receive that this morning. Do that this morning. And then the other thing I want us to say is, listen... During this time of music, you can sing with them. You can let them sing over you. But the second thing is to confess. That's what David did in verse 6. He confessed. Confession is worship. What is the gospel in three words? Jesus is Lord. So we confess. When we confess to the Lord, we are practicing and demonstrating that Jesus is Lord. And as a church, we need to confess that we have not always been benevolent with the information we have about other people. Sometimes we're not good with the information we have. We don't use it rightly. We don't use it benevolently. And as a church, we confess that. And as individuals, we can also confess. Lord, I confess that there are times when I am angry. I confess, Lord, when there are times that I'm clicking on things that I shouldn't be clicking on. Lord, I confess that to you. And I confess that knowing that you love me. And that you don't hate me. And that you're not penalizing me for it. I confess that. And as the writer in First John says, When we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and to cleanse it, to delete it. That's what kind of God he is. He deletes it and it's gone. Information in the hands of benevolent God, that's who God is, come alive. Come alive. And when you leave here and you click on this keyboard, every time you hit a key, Every time you're on your phone and you hit a key, remember the key is that God is with you. Remember that. He's with you. May we listen to him. Maybe we talk to him. Maybe we just marvel. Maybe we don't, we, we're going to do, and we go, no, you know what? I'm just going to marvel in the presence of my creator king who is benevolent toward me. And we just get a little bit more intentional in our relationship with him and other people and a little less intentional about that. Acknowledge, confess, and keys. A-C-K. Acknowledge, confess, and the keys. Music team.